welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. This is another installment in uh, the Sundance 2022 series. I've been making my way slowly through this year's films, um, but it's a different experience for people who are writing about it. You know, you have to write, you know, upwards of five to ten reviews at a festival. Uh, and one writer that I've really admired for a while, both for her reviews and also for her Twitter commentary, which for my money is, is some of the best and most succinct uh, film criticism out there about acting and other, other topics. So without further ado, uh, welcome Jordane Searles. Hello, Jordane. Hello. Thank you for having me and also for flattering me. That's really lovely. <laughs> it's oh. all true. <laughs> oh man, Sundance this year has been so interesting. Well, I was originally supposed to go in person and like I bought my oh, really? I bought my plane tickets. I put it down. Like I put the money down for an Airbnb and like everything. And oh. then it was just like, oh, here we are. And so, yeah, I'm writing a lot of reviews to kind of like recoup. <laughs> oh no. God, they didn't let you, they didn't let you take back like deposits on stuff. Um, That's really lame. I was able to get back half of what I put down on the Airbnb. And I don't know if I'm going to get the other half. Uh, oh, oh God. <laughs> But it's okay because I mean I live alone yeah. now, so I've just been watching everything in my in my apartment by myself, and it's been quite it's been quite nice. At least I don't have to deal with the altitude this year. Yeah, yeah, that always that's knocked me out when I've gone in the beginning. Well, yeah, it's good. It's definitely one have like a marathon, plop myself in front of a laptop, and five movies later emerge in a trance. But I, I was really curious to hear what your highlights this year were. Uh, I think you were saying that one you liked recently was uh, Emily the Criminal. Oh, yes. Loved Emily the Criminal. It's it's one of those movies that speaks to the time that we are in right now, but also has really like its own qualities. Like it's it's a protagonist that so many of us can relate to someone who has a lot of student loans and is like barely making it. And of course, you know, she turns to crime. <laughs> and I think that it's one of Aubrey Plaza's best performances. Like, I think between this and Black Bear, she's really like batting a thousand lightly. Mm. I've always liked her and she just she just seems to continue to make sort of interesting choices. This is another step in a new direction, I thought. Yeah, I mean, her work in independent film has always been interesting. Like, I, I don't like Ingrid Goes West at all, but she's mm -hmm. definitely really fascinating in it. And even, like, stuff that she did. I think she made a movie with her husband a couple years ago called Life After Beth. Oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, she's made a couple movies with her husband. But this is really her like unleashing herself like this is a kind of I it's weird because it's definitely a different movie but I kept on thinking about Nicole Kidman and Destroyer and how like oh. how much she well I mean Nicole had all of the makeup on to be kind of like liberated under it but she was acting in a way and like going in a certain range that I'd never seen mm -hmm. from her before and this is kind of the same with Aubrey, where it's like I've seen her go hard before I've seen her do really great performances but this one just is so fully realized and so like self-assured and this more than really any other movie is it's 100% her movie. Mm. Yeah, it's true. She really carries it. And I found it interesting that 
she's constantly just like going for it uh, that her character in the in the movie you know get in the, getting in these situations like she she kind of gets involved in this credit card fraud ring which which a friend she works with turned her on to and so this is you know seems like a good option so she tries it and then does a simple job and does a more complex job and like her first more complex job just goes completely nuts but she sticks with it and, and I guess what I liked about it is that it's not treated like it's a caper you know like it's not like this madcap thing which like if she was the sort of purely comedic character I don't know like a couple of years ago it would have been just treated like this off the wall thing but here I really felt something, you know, the higher stakes. It's, I mean, it's sort of life and death, really. Yeah, this is a movie, you know, we, we talk a lot about how films have changed. And when we think about the movies that a lot of us got into movies with, a lot of it's like these kinds of like thrillers, these kind of like one-handers or two-handers, like, you know, thinking mm. about like, um, even like something like an Ashley Judd movie, which just mm-hmm. remembering the time when Ashley Judd could just be like, it's mm-hmm. Ashley Judd. She's got a gun. She's dealing with the situation. It's just her. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, this is so, this is very much that in a way mm-hmm. that I think uh, works in, it has social, it's social commentary without like outwardly saying that it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also um, it has a good mom in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, fantastic mom. Really loved her. Really, really felt. <laughs> I, I, you know, it was funny because like I felt Aubrey Plaza isn't really trying to be a sympathetic character in this. She's not really interested in that, and mm-hmm. I think that that's really interesting. But a lot of the time, that but a lot of the time, you're still with her anyway, even if she is doing something that's like morally wrong. But the one time, the one thing that I felt bad about, like. I mean, I felt bad about a few things, but the major thing was that mother. <laughs> and, the, and I was like, oh no, this poor yeah. lady. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would feel so bad about that lady. I would like send her like an envelope full of money <laughs> <laughs> and like not say where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely an innocent bystander. And, and, and sorry, this is the just for listeners, this is the mom of the guy she gets involved with that at first she's she's working with. Theo Rossi's character, which great, yeah, to, right. great to see Theo Rossi. I, I mean, I know that he's been around. Um, I stopped watching. He was on Sons of Anarchy, and I stopped watching mm. right around the time that he became a more central character. So it's nice to know mm-hmm. that he's still around. I'm still not going back to Sons of Anarchy, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Emily, Emily the Criminal, it's, it's also just a good movie to kind of encounter later in the festival. Like, you know, I've been kind of, it kind of woke woke me up in a nice way. Yeah, it was really, it was really a shot in the arm for this mm-hmm. festival. It's been a really strange year in terms of, you know, I really appreciate how they made an effort to choose a lot of like first time filmmakers or second time filmmakers this year. And I think that they should be doing more of that instead of, you know, a lot of the buzzier stuff. But I do wonder if the Sundance sensibility is kind of getting in the way from more interesting choices being made in terms of programming. Mm. Um, and I was and I was definitely feeling it this year. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. What's another movie that took you in a more interesting direction than that? Oh my God, Resurrection! I yes. it's and it's and it's so hard to talk 
talk about resurrection because I'm just not sure if it actually makes any sense. But I also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I also true. really appreciate it for not making any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Rebecca Hall, like people have compared this to her performance in in The Night House, which I think is fair. Although I do think that this is a better movie than The Night House, maybe because like The Night House tries to tell you exactly what's going on, and once you figure out what's going on, it seems stupid. Whereas like, <laughs> right. where like resurrection does not tell you what's going on. And so you're nope. just like on the edge of your seat, just like, what is going, like, what is <laughs> happening? And that's so exciting. It's so exciting to watch something where you don't know where it's going, especially at a film festival where it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of similar character beats are championed as like the kind of like Sundance story and it's this doesn't feel like the Sundance story. <laughs> this feels like something no. else. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you know, it starts off like maybe plausibly in, in some universe, it could be start off as like a Sundance setting. She lives with her daughter. You're expecting some sort of tension. Her daughter is probably about to leave leave home. Um, it hasn't happened yet, and she has you know something going on at work. But then, yeah, I don't even know how to describe. I mean, I was just talking with someone about it. Like, how do you describe what comes out of her past? It's wild because like she, well, she's describing like she has a past where she's in an abusive relationship with a controlling older man. And like that, that part of it's relatable. It's interesting because like when she gives, she gives about like a seven minute monologue in this movie, six, seven minutes. That is one of the best things that I've ever seen. Uh, yeah one of the most like incredible work but it's like as she's giving the monologue it starts out as something that you would believe and then it just like starts going off and it just like it just keeps escalating just so much yes and yes and because if you just stopped at Mm -hmm. she was with an abusive older man when she was a teenager and like her parents just kind of like left her with him and he traumatized her it's like yes that is all believable but then you get into the specifics of what he did and it's like <laughs> yeah wow <laughs> yeah he has like this mesmeric hold on her somehow i mean the other thing about that is that it's all directed in in this one single shot they don't cut away for this for this six seven minute monologue oh my god it's like it's such incredible work. like it just reminded me how much i really love her as an actress i'm not a fan of passing and i've been kind of like angry at her the past year because of it <laughs> um so to like see her you know to see her acting and doing what i think that she's really great at is is and it's really just like she it, i mean it's a two-hander but she she carries so much of this movie her her face her emotions her eyes there were scenes like i watched it twice and partially it's because there was a scene where i was watching it where i thought that the lens was being distorted like i thought that her head was changing and like i rewatched oh. it again and it's like no it's just that she's just looking at the camera so intensely that i like imagined like some kind of lynchian thing happening with oh, it oh wow it's, like and i was like okay wow <laughs> it's either, yeah I'm, maybe i'm just maybe i was just delirious after watching so many movies but i was just like did her head change <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i, I mean i it's a sort of a sort of performance where i genuinely kind of feel panicked for her you know you almost worry about how far it's, it's gonna go at which is 
plenty far uh, without giving anything away. Yeah, she she really goes she really goes far. It's it's such a fascinating oh man. Like it's one of those motherhood movies that's just that's just has so much going on. I was thinking about The Brood while I was watching it. Oh wow. I yeah. I was thinking about just these like odd mother stories and the energy that's that's coming out of her. I I really can't just, it's one of those things where like I really want to hear what the director has to say about yeah. what he's doing. And I was so I was trying to understand him so much that I watched one of his older films last night, Nancy Please. And it's oh yeah. And it's like similar I actually really liked it. But it's like similar is when like actually I think that Nancy Please like is more it makes more sense like it's more plausible but it's still also going to this really interesting place where it could mean so many different things yeah i mean it's it's about i guess basically like writer's block but it has the same kind of weird like single-mindedness to it and uncomfortable extremes to it and but it was 10 years ago i mean i've been after that movie i was waiting for what he would direct next in terms of a feature and I don't know. I guess this one took a while to percolate somehow. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to know more about this director. If not, read an interview. Interview them myself and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was another one where it was kind of just like it was like a shot in the arm. Um, I also, I mean, I already, I already reviewed Lena Dunham's new film, Sharp Stick, which is not. It's not a movie that I would say is good. I don't know if that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if good or bad really matters in the context of that movie, hmm. but I I did find it really interesting and audacious in a way that I would like to see more of hmm. just in general at film festivals. You know, it really went for something there. And yeah. like uh, along with Resurrection, where I feel like, you know, I think there's a certain braveness to just going for something and really not because like sometimes you make something and you know what the conversation around it is going to be and for like sharp sticker resurrection it's like who knows what the conversation is going to (laughs) be for either one of them yeah how so that sharp stick is uh just to give a little plot summary it's it's this one is about a young woman who lives with her mom and her sister and she works as like a, I guess like a nanny or babysitter for another family uh, whose mother is played by Lena Dunham. Um, <laughs> and um, which is, it's almost like, a, that's almost like a short film within the film. That- oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but she gets involved with uh, her husband and yeah, I, I can't like, I can't really say too much about the movie because I started it and didn't, finish. I just wasn't on its wavelength that we, I somehow right away. I, I think, think that, I, I think that, I think that that's fair. And I think that like, mm-hmm. if you stopped at 30 minutes in, it's like, yeah, if you're not on the wavelength by then, I don't know if you would get there. I will say that like, there's some interesting stuff in the end there, specifically with Scott Speedman who I think I think that Scott Speedman though just being a side character who appears on a laptop screen his entire character appears on a laptop screen he <laughs> is almost like he's the scene stealer of the movie it's, oh, really? it's it's really yeah Scott Speedman does some, he plays a porn star and his his, <laughs> his way of 
of being a porn star, like the way that he engages with women in his porn videos is some of the best shit that I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I, I mean, I can tell that that one's divisive. I think it's, I think it's, it's one of those things where it makes sense that it's divisive. I'm not protective of it. I just think it's really interesting, but it's not a movie that like, I'm not going to protect this movie with my life. I, but I will say that it was definitely fascinating and gave me stuff to chew on. Yeah. Since this is kind of Lena Dunham's return to, I don't know, spotlight with directing this. And and she already has, I guess, another movie basically done that's going to come out that I think is set in, medieval times yeah um but for this one like how would you compare this with with her previous work it kind of reminds me of the of the wildest episodes of girls but almost like mm-hmm. a culmination like if you took like a bunch of different elements like there were things where i was just like i was thinking about shoshana losing her virginity while i was watching it i was thinking about jessa hooking up with the dad of the kid that she nannies or him being like like into her i don't Mm -hmm. even remember if they actually hook up it's been so many years um you know uh i was reminded of hannah getting pregnant at the end of the show Mm -hmm. which was a very strange choice in my opinion, and I'm not really sure, I don't really think that it works, but I was thinking about that. And it just felt like she was like kind of like funneling in um, her time on that show, her experiences, her emotions. It feels very raw. It almost feels like she wrote it in her diary. So huh. uh, I don't know if it's very, I don't know really if this is the direction that she's going to go in or if this was something that she had to get out of her system before moving on. It's really... Uh, unclear to me yeah that really rings true for me somehow that getting it out of her her system just i don't know a sketchbook of kind of ideas and impulses that she just wanted to get out in some way yeah there's a lot of big swings in there there's like a little animation sequence that you see a couple times and i was constantly looking at the animation sequence trying to understand exactly what it was doing and also I think that so much of it is her dealing with her own hysterectomy which is something that you know that's a very specific experience Mm -hmm. but so much of uh the main character Sarah Joe's whole thing is that she had a hysterectomy when she was when she was like 10 years before so she's so she's 26 and like it was like right when her sexual development would have started and it just never did and so this is Mm. and so this is her dealing with it and like you know lena as a person who physically cannot have children and having her main character be going through that and also herself playing someone who is pregnant when she herself cannot get pregnant i just thought Mm -hmm. that all of that was really um yeah it all felt very much for her so i don't even know like how much it matters what we think of it <laughs> right we're beside us. the point yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah i'm i'm curious to see how she how she moves forward from here i'm curious to mm-hmm. watch her next film which i think she's doing for like amazon i think oh right yeah. uh yeah so so we'll see yeah. we'll um. see yeah <laughs> Um, I just want to quickly mention just the name of the actress who plays Sarah Jo is Christina Froseth. Yeah, she was um, Alaska looking for Alaska. Oh, yeah. 
I no, I mean I only know that because my boyfriend watched that show. And was just oh like, really? Yeah, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember her." <laughs> well, that's Alaska, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never watched that, but I mean, I remember my little brother reading the book when it came out. Uh, <laughs> I have no, uh-huh. I have no concept of it. So yeah, I thought that that was, I thought that that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that I thought was interesting was um, Duel, which I'm going to be, I'm going to be reviewing it, but um, oh, cool. I thought that, I thought that Duel was fascinating. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's messy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I definitely think that's one that's, that's going to play. Sometimes when I go to these fests, I think about, Okay, what would like a regular person who is not insane like us and watches all these movies all the time? <laughs> right. Which ones would they go see in the theater? And mm-hmm. so far, what I'm thinking is like Resurrection, Emily the Criminal, Duel. Like, I definitely think that that people, if it gets like a good enough release, people will go see Duel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Um, yeah, I mean, Emily the Criminal, especially, it, it kind of. It's it's like very tightly, clearly plotted and um, and dual. I mean, I guess kind of taps into some of the same things of. I mean, not something like the Purge series, but like all these kind of like dystopian, like near America, you know, futures that basically are like the future version of like you know dog eat dog world reality now in a way. Yeah, it made me want to watch um, Riley Stern's um, other recent film. Uh, mm. The art of self defense, which I haven't seen. I have seen faults. Yeah, I like faults. I, I yeah, I missed I missed the art of self defense too. Yeah. yeah, well, that one's on Hulu, so I might just check that out sometime. Yeah, maybe later today, yeah. just out of curiosity, because I like one thing that I love about Sundance is like watching a movie by a director that maybe I hadn't heard about or one that I hadn't thought about a lot, like Riley Stearns, and then looking back and seeing, oh, they made something else Mm -hmm. that I can watch. I want to check this out so that I have a better, you know, more unified understanding of what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. Duel, I imagine that's going to come out pretty pretty soon. I also, you know, I'm curious, what did you think of the tone of that movie? Because I thought there's kind of deadpan, like almost gallows humor about it at, at some time. I was always afraid that it would push it too far, but I never thought it did. Yeah, I mean, it's very deadpan. I noticed that people have been comparing it to, like, uh, Yorgos's work, which, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you could, but if you even look back to faults, it's like, I think that it's definitely an evolution of a kind of humor that Riley Stearns was already mm-hmm. working with, and whereas, like, I don't think that faults is funny, I think that this is, so I think that he's, like, <laughs> becoming funnier over time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. but yeah, the kind of like deadpan thing, I mean, my, my review, I'm going to kind of focus on, I was trying to find a way in for like an angle because I'm writing about it for bitch media and bitch media. It's like, you have to have an angle. You can't just review Mm -hmm. a movie. Uh, and my angle is just that like the, this idea of being a depressed woman and being worried that, you know, the people in your life don't actually want you that much and that they would actually prefer it if you were if you were happier in a more and not even like happier as in like internally but in a more uh surface sense like pleasant Mm -hmm. so that so I found that to be the really interesting conflict for me 
the idea mm. that it like would justify the fear <laughs> that yeah. nobody wants to be around you because you're depressed because like everybody is very deadpan in that movie but i still think that like i still think that karen gillen is very clearly depressed and i don't really mm. think that the other characters are yeah i see that yeah i, I don't i don't think i really understood that but i see i see what you're saying and and just the way that it's kind of like it's a, it's like a worst nightmare realized which is oh I could just be replaced and people would rather that, you know, it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the fascinating thing about it for me. I do think it's a little long and Mm -hmm. I do think that you can kind of tell that some of the acting could be better. And I, you can tell that because as soon as Aaron Paul shows up, it's like, okay, we're in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) In a way that, like, the boyfriend character and the mother character aren't really giving us, which, mm-hmm. which, which I don't know if that's the movie's way of saying that because Aaron Paul is so into, like, combat, that's what makes him so alive as opposed to uh-huh. everyone else. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. That's, a, that's an interesting one. It's definitely more interesting to me than um, After Yang, which is, the, which is a movie that everybody seems to love this year, that I was kind of, like... Yeah. <laughs> hmm. What didn't you like about that one? It just didn't feel it just didn't feel alive. Yeah. In the way that I think that a movie about an artificial intelligent being should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's so muted, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's it it didn't really speak to me. And I watched it twice. A lot of these I watched twice because mm-hmm. one because it gives you an opportunity to watch things again. Um, and two, just because, like, I, I'm i obsessed with, you know, interrogating the mood that I'm in when I watch certain movies. So if I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I was in kind of like a shitty mood. Let me try this again. So I, so I did try it again, and I felt the same way. So I was like, okay, I'm not, yeah. like, overreacting. Right. <laughs> this, it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this just doesn't play for me. Right, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one more movie you uh, you mentioned that I th- think you really like, which is uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Yes. Yeah. Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul is my favorite film from the fest this year. Like, it, it's just ahead of Emily the Criminal for me. Because oh, yeah. I, I would say it's a Honk for Jesus, number one, Emily the Criminal, number two. And mm-hmm. uh, Honk for Jesus, I'm also, you know, especially kind of protective of in a way that like I don't know sometimes I because you know like as a black critic I feel like there's a sense that um there's an assumption that I'm going to be protective of every single black film that I see which is not the case especially not for master which I think is terrible um (laughs) but but honk for Jesus I do think is a film that is already being so deeply misunderstood by Sundance audiences that it's kind of pissing me off Hmm. um be in it. I mean, it's partially just because I was raised Southern Baptist. I am from the South, and I am very aware of the specific culture that Hunk for Jesus exists in. And a lot of film critics, I would say most film critics, do not <laughs> do not know, <laughs> do not mm. like really get it, aren't really immersed in it. But I personally just think it's a really like fascinating exploration of this idea that success for black people 
is about, you know, like celebrity and money and notoriety and not necessarily about helping each other. Cause you know, it's about um, a mega church preacher and his wife, it's Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall. And what's going on is that there's been a scandal with Sterling K. Brown and they are trying to, you know, they're trying to make their return. They're trying to be like, okay, we had the scandal, we're coming back. And they're making this documentary to show the world who they really are. And they don't seem to realize that who they really are (laughs) is is not that great. (laughs) So I just think it's a really, uh, what's, what's a great way of putting this? The idea that personal success is the most impressive thing. Like the idea that a black person becoming successful and rich means something for the rest of us who are not successful and rich. Yeah. And just Mm. this, this idea of like trying to serve your community by serving yourself and not being aware that you're not actually doing anything. And I think that honk for Jesus really, really like goes into that and captures that in an interesting way. And, and there was, and there was some of this in girls trip too with Regina Hall's character where Regina Hall is a woman who's been with a man for a long time and believes that the time that she has put into him can't go to anyone else. So there's a sense that she would be happier in a relationship with someone else, but it's almost like she's saying, I put my time in and he's improved and he's gotten this far. He's improved so much. And that if I let him go, somebody gets the benefits of the work that I put into this man. And it's like, she's like, trapped by that yeah she's put in the the, the investment of the time and energy the emotional outlay because in the um, honk for jesus she's playing she's playing the pastor's wife right yeah she's his wife and so he has this whole scandal where people don't want to come to the church anymore because of this sex scandal that he's part of and she just considers it to be like oh no it's like a she just kind of sees it as i put all this work in and now everybody's going to abandon us now and it's like it's she just doesn't realize that it's not about her and that's i don't know it also like speaks to this like very christian idea that a successful marriage is a marriage that you stay in for the long haul as opposed Mm -hmm. to the idea that you know a marriage can run its course and you can Mm -hmm. just go but it's right. not like in the culture that I grew up in. That's not that's not the thing. Like, you know, you stay and you're rewarded for staying. And it's clear that she wants to be she wants to be considered strong for staying instead mm-hmm. of leaving. Yeah. I wanted to look up the director um of this. Um it's a it's it's a first timer based on her short. Her name is Adama Ibo. And the short honk for Jesus was was from 2019 and I have not seen it. <laughs> oh wow, this is a debut feature. Oh cool. Yeah, this okay. is a debut feature and I think just like a lot of like incredible work and so specific to Southern Baptist culture. I was thinking also a little bit about the Righteous Gemstones too because that's also very uh-huh. that's also very much in Southern Baptist culture but it's like white so but it's white people so I think it's easier for people to relate to as opposed to easier for like all of these other people to relate to as opposed to this and I think that that's maybe a problem here in terms of like Sundance's audience because in my opinion Sundance has a habit 
of championing the most white appealing black films and then being mm. confused by the ones that aren't really pandering to white people at all which is like you mm -hmm. could say this with like regina hall in in hunk for jesus and master whereas like master has something for white people to hold on to because there's so much discussions of whiteness and there's so much mm -hmm. discussions of like privilege and stuff but Honk for Jesus has nothing to do with white people, isn't interested in white people. I don't even know if there are any even many white people in the movie, if there are any at all. And mm -hmm. I think that that's part of it is that like Sundance audiences don't have an entryway into it. It reminded me a lot of um, Miss Juneteenth, which, which I saw at Sundance and oh, yeah. I really, really loved and mm -hmm. everybody never no one really had an opinion like i would ask people and they would just be like it was boring i walked out it was fine it was mid and then um racial violence came out and then suddenly everybody was talking about the importance of juneteenth and then suddenly everybody was talking about miss juneteenth and it was right. just like it was just like watching it happen in real time of just people yeah. being like oh there's nothing here and then realizing oh there is cultural relevance we just didn't know about it and oh now we have to overcorrect and yeah. it's like i don't know man you could just consider that maybe because it's a thing that i noticed like in both of these miss juneteenth and and honk for jesus are black southern films and it's like i'm just seeing the early reactions to them mm -hmm. are the same to me and it's just fascinating to me when you think about the films about black southern people that people do watch like um uh, or like black rural people, like something like Hale County or something mm -hmm. like um, Beasts of the Southern Wild, which, you know, black Southern audiences really don't care about those movies. <laughs> but but white people do you know and it's and it's because you know it's told in a way that really like appeals to the white film festival sensibility whereas like hong for jesus is like every needle drop is specific like there's so much black southern rap in it which i grew up during the heyday oh, wow. of like black southern rap so i grew up you know in the time of like lil john mike jones swisha house bun b like juicy j three six mafia winning it winning an academy award like those were all like giant moments in uh -huh. my adolescence for me because that was the music that i was listening to at the time yeah. whereas like even when the when the credits drop in honk for jesus I believe that the song is three six mafias popping my collar. So like, oh. and that's like not, you know, that, and that's a song that means a lot to someone like me and maybe means nothing to other people. So yeah. It's, it's true. Like, I mean, the, the other two movies you, you mentioned, I guess have particular like formal hooks in a way, you know, Hale County, this associative almost like essay, like fragmentary look. And then Beast of the Southern Wild is like virtually like a template of a certain kind of Sundance drama with these elements of kind of precious kind of fantasy in it. Mm -hmm. um, Honk for Jesus, is, is it fair to call it like mockumentary style? Yeah, yeah, mockumentary style. But do you, do you feel, do you find that that's a, because it's interesting, like mockumentary can sometimes kind of distance from, from the subject matter a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that it does in this mm -hmm. way. Like it's kind of, I was thinking so much about um, 
Jay-Z and Beyonce while I was watching it. And, you know, I love Beyonce, but um, I've always said this, Beyonce fans are the best at critiquing Beyonce. And so like, we are able to have a sense of humor about the fact that she is very rich and can be really like divorced from things. And I mean, oh, and Jay-Z, even more divorced, Jay-Z is on a whole other planet. Like, especially if you listen to like his last album for 444, where he's just making a lot of comments about how like black people need to be like buying land and how his success is everyone else's success and stuff like that. So I was thinking so much of how Mm. the past Sterling K. Brown's character in Haunt for Jesus reminds me a lot of Jay-Z, reminds me a lot about, reminds me a lot of rappers in general and this idea that like because they represent the culture their success is the culture and Mm -hmm. not respecting them is disrespecting the culture and Mm -hmm. i find all of that to be really fascinating and the documentary style allows us to watch two people who don't know how capitalist they are (laughs) Uh be like aggressively capitalist for a full runtime and especially in the end when um, Regina Hall has this great revealing monologue where you where you find out that like... Oh yeah, I saw people talking about that, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, we don't... It, it's one of those monologues where it's like, okay, if you felt sorry for her, you can stop right now. <laughs> you don't have to after this. And it's so good. And I don't think that you... I think that the mockumentary style really works well for this. And I don't think, and I don't really think that like really there have been much in like black mockumentary, you know, black stories in mockumentary style. And so when people are like, oh, the mockumentary style is played out. Well, like it's played out for you. We're talking Mm -hmm. about something Mm -hmm. else now. Like it's like, I was thinking about also Abbott Elementary, which also is, is a new show that has like a primarily black cast. And it's about these people running this like low income kind of elementary school in Philly. And they're using the documentary style and mockumentary style. And I think that that, is really interesting it's like sometimes you know just putting a different face is nothing but in terms of like mockumentary it's like you're we're not just looking at a different face we're looking at a different experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so well that's i will definitely take a look at this uh, honk for jesus save your soul and we can probably uh bring things in for landing there i any any final mentions of movies or, or actors or people or any, any anything at all that you want to close with? Hmm, a final mention. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I <laughs> I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the most like quintessential Sundance movie this year is when you finish saving the world, and I mean that as. <laughs> I, and I mean, <laughs> I mean that as an insult. <laughs> That's the fair part. <laughs> Just the kind of movie that could only premiere at like Sundance or South by Southwest because no one else would put up with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that Jesse Eisenberg. You know, I yeah, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm I'm really I'm sure. Um, I just, I, you know, not all plays need to be adapted. And, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting if if A24 really drops this into theaters. If I were A24, um, I would drop this like on Apple TV Plus or something. I don't, I don't think that they should. I don't think that they should release that. I think it's going to be a very uh, rude awakening for for uh, Jesse if they do. But I could, I could be wrong because I could be wrong because there are people that are responding to it. I don't know what they're responding to. Uh, but <laughs> this was, I mean, this was a tough one. I, I, I completely agree that it, it's, I mean, you couldn't, it, it'd be, you know, yeah, it'd be hard to design a, like a more tailor-made kind of movie for an opening night at Sundance, especially like this kind of family comedy. Um, I have to admit, I found a lot of it funny, but I was, I could not believe the, the ending. Like, I, I mean, even for Sundance, just that sort of, they just thought, you know what, what if we just don't do the last act? Like what? What if they just sort of everything's okay? Um, we don't, we, you know. What if they just, just kind of, what if they just? I mean, they could just have an epiphany. We can probably pull it off in like a shot. They can like look at each other, and that'll kind of cover it, right? I mean, you know, they cut off fifteen minutes. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I also could not believe it. I kept on hoping that they would. Because, because you know, this kind of movie is the kind of movie that you that Sundance was making, like back in like two thousand four. Like it's kind of it's kind of yes. insane that it exists mm-hmm. now. <laughs> like because yeah. I because I grew up watching a lot of Sundance movies on cable, and the whole time I was just like running through a list of just like movies that people haven't thought about forever, like Rocket <laughs> Rocket Science, Submarine. Thumb sucker, the safety of objects. Like, oh, wow. and I was just like the chum scrubber. I was just like, what is going on, man? I thought I was the only person who remembered chum scrubber. Oh no, oh, I, wow. will, I will always remember the chum scrubber. Just like all of these, all of these movies that you know. Uh, I I grew up thinking, okay, these are festival movies. This is very, it's weird to be almost 30 and to be seeing the exact kind of movie I remember watching when I was 11 and thinking, oh, this is is what gets into festivals, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, it is a time work. You're so right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, people love Julianne Moore. People love that Stranger Things kid. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, know. yeah, I mean, he's 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 sometimes just kind of like weird and, and insistent enough in, in the performance that it's sort of it can be kind of funny. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it is it is funny. It's just that I almost feel like Jesse doesn't know how funny it actually is, like how funny. <laughs> like, I don't know if Jesse knows how funny uh, Julianne Moore is in that movie, like how much of a how much of a not person she is in that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's 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 very it's very fascinating, but mm. you know it that and after Yang are the A twenty four movies from the festival, and I'm True, mid yeah. on I'm yeah. mid on both of them, but yeah. you know people love A twenty four. Yeah, it, I know it's definitely a long way from you know like I don't know Hereditary or The Souvenir, which also both you know I think premiered at Sundance the A twenty four movies. Mm. It's a long way from those. Whatever you think of those, I mean, but um, yeah. Uh, I love I love Souvenir Part 2. Souvenir Part 2 is one of my favorites from... Um, oh, cool. 
from last year. Mm. I need to rewatch the first one because the second one was so good that I was like, was I too hard on the first one? So mm. I might just like double feature it and see. I don't like yeah. Hereditary though, not at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's been an interesting year. I only really have like two more movie, two more movies that I'm watching, or, or three more movies that I'm watching, and none mm-hmm. of which I'm covering. Just three more that I'm watching for fun, and then um, and then I'm done, and I have to spend the whole rest of the week writing. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll let you get back to 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 that. And I always like to finish up just by pointing um, listeners to where they can read your read your work. And um, I guess where are your reviews going to be uh, published that are coming up? Okay, um, um, I'm going to be reviewing Nanny and the Hollywood Reporter along with where I recorded, um, re- reviewed Sharp Stick. I'm going to, I have some mm-hmm. reviews coming out in Little White Lies, some coming out in OK Player, and some coming out for Bitch Media. So I'm, I'm spread out a little bit there. Great, great. Uh, well, a lot to look forward to. Um, and uh yeah we'll wrap it up there and again jordan thank you so much for taking the time especially now that i know just how much you're writing i really appreciate it oh yeah no it, it really helps my writing process to be able to talk about <laughs> some oh, of these so i appreciate it <laughs> all right all right well happy rest of sundance thanks for having me you've been listening to the last thing i saw with your host nicholas Rapold please consider signing up at repold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.